episode it was really fun i'm recording that with author who was the film producer narrator everything of niger beta which is what we're going to talk about for a bit on this episode so um i guess we can go around say who's around and yeah start off the episode who are you though oh hey everyone this is amayo in case you didn't know sorry i don't introduce myself i will actively try to do this going forward <laughs> hi everyone this is ife hey guys it's onyeka aka yeka oh. nice nice okay so over the past few weeks um we have at our own paces watched niger beta which is a documentary that author produced and edited and um what else what else did he did pretty much all the background stuff um and we picked up a few themes that stood out to us and i think for the first few minutes of this episode we're just going to talk about those themes and you know what it says about nigerian society what it means what those themes mean to us why those themes even stood out in the first place is it because we're nigerian is it because we are african and so on so I think for me, and we will link you to the documentary at the bottom of this page. Or I'm not sure if we can do that. But we can't I don't do know that. if it's open isn't to the it, public. Isn't it open? Yeah. Like you have to pay, though. I think. I think you have to. Oh pay. yeah, I think you might have to pay. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, we'll figure it out. Yeah, they they'll have to pay, but it's. I think it's a it's a good documentary. It okay, is. So the first theme that stood out to me was i think which is what Ife um, pointed out the cheating on the exams so there was a hey guys, point just... sorry <laughs> Maya, real quick. like can you give people just a brief idea of what the program was like just so that they yes yeah what the next nice... yeah synopsis of niger beta okay 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 all right so niger beta is a, do- is a documentary about uh an american-born nigerian MIT student who um, started this summer camp called XRL. I forget what it stands for. What does XRL stand for? Exposure, Exposure Ro- Robotics League. Nice. Exposure Robotics League. Yes. So he started it out with a few other MIT um, peers. And so they came to Nigeria, set up this camp, got students from across the country to learn how to program. And at the end of the program, they, oh, they also had SAT lessons during the program. And at the end of the program, they had a, t- a tournament where they had to work in groups. Um, they had to code and you know, make their robots do certain things. And it's all really exciting. And you could see how they had grown to love, um, I guess, programming and robotics and computers. So it was, it was for me, I, saw, I, I found it very interesting seeing that, at least from the beginning to the end, how the enthusiasm had changed and how they saw how valuable and 
you know, fun coding and programming can actually be and competitive and, you know, all like and how you can use um, programming in different scenarios in the world. So back to what I said earlier. So because they also had SAT lessons during this program, they had at the beginning a diagnostic test, I believe, and at the end, they had a base, like a, I don't want to say end line test, like a final test just to see how they had improved or otherwise over the five weeks. And they found they caught some students cheating um, during this final exam. And I remember one of the tutors felt took this very personally because she felt like, mm-hmm. you know, she had spent all this time with these kids and she really thought that she was adding value and she didn't understand why they felt like they had to cheat. But then she also pointed out that, you know, many of these people don't understand, you know, the standards of, you know, having a good moral ground and having um I guess some sort of honor code to keep like the people don't understand why they should do certain things the right way. But I want to like hear what um Ife and Onika think. Because I know we, we talked about this on our group chat before. Um, yeah. I actually finished watching the documentary. So yes. <laughs> um so one thing that struck me, I believe her name was Toby and I think I, I wrote it quotes. Um she essentially said that she feels that some people felt like it was necessary to cheat as a result of lack of confidence mm-hmm. or um, just not wanting to put in the efforts to try. Mm-hmm. So I agree with her. And and, and it, I have to say something else too, because like Toby is an American. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's Nigeria. Her parents are Nigerian, but she was born in America. That trip to Nigeria was her first trip yes. ever to Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why she, I mean, <laughs> she, that's why she was so so shook when she saw them cheating She's because like, like if you're in Nigeria if you're if you're you know, if you're born and bred in Nigeria cheating is like you know mm. what <laughs> it's sad today's, but it's true. today's Sunday yeah it's like a, it's a very very normal um part of life and I think yeah so about what she said about um not having the confidence to try mm. or not having the confidence in yourself and also the e- lack of effort to try and I think it also goes back to our educational system and what we value. Mm-hmm. So we value, we value superficial indicators of brilliance. Oh, we geez. value. Come on, girl. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, we value superficial indicators of brilliance. Like, oh, you got, you know, you, you're the highest scoring person in this thing. Mm-hmm. You are, you know, you got ten over ten. You could recite this mm-hmm. from memory. So we don't value actual effort. Yeah. Yeah, like if, even beyond efforts, like we don't value actual application True. of stuff yes. learned. It's mm-hmm. very rote, rote memorization, mm-hmm. regurgitates, and and people, and once people like kind of know that that's the once people kind of see that that's the formula to apparent success, mm. then they're going to do woo and <laughs> yeah. It's almost yeah. like um, like okay. the people who do best. Oh, sorry, Nika, but it's almost like. People who do better, people can cram the best, really. Oh, yeah. Man. Which is just a terrible, terrible, terrible thing because you get into real life and it's like, wait, how do I actually yeah. apply all these things that I cram? Do I even remember the things that I crammed mm-hmm. back then? Anyways, when you can't go on. 
um, you go over here. And it's very interesting because that cheating thing, when I watched it, I was like, okay, here we go. Um, <laughs> I think coming from the American context for Toby, um, like if you look at the American educational system and the Nigerian educational system, I think testing and exams almost serve different purposes, right? For the Nigerian system, like testing is okay, you just, you're going to the next level, or this is a determinant of your future in so many ways. So like mm-hmm. you do your senior school SSC or YEC, right? The certificate examination, you do this, you do jump, and depending on your score, that's what determines what the rest of your life is going to look like. That's based true. Off of those scores. So there's this huge, um, very high stakes exactly to do you know extremely well regardless of what it takes i mean there are people who you know you're sitting for an exam and i think they call them mercenaries who would like go in there and write the exam for you so you pay someone to like Mm -hmm. for you you know so speaking of that (laughs) have you seen this have you seen this punch newspaper expose about a miracle center where they essentially like write the exam for you. That's not a surprise. It's uh, sorry. Go on, go on, go on, Yuka. Oh. Sorry, I, my I, I'm just shook. Okay, and I don't know why I'm <laughs> shook. Like, anyways, whereas like the American educational system, to some degree, at least I know, uh, you know, when we have our meetings or whatever, in some ways, the exam is a reflection for the teacher on like the amount of knowledge they've been able to impart on the students. Mm -hmm. So yes, it's necessary for you to, you know, progress to a certain level with MCATs or GRE or even SATs, but it's also an, um, almost like an evaluative test for the teacher to say, have I done a good job? How do we do this? When, and then you now include things like curves. Did the, the entire class fail like that? So we're going to put in a curve. So they're different, like, they they basically have different what's the word i'm looking for they have different values right mm-hmm. in the different cultures so i can definitely see how shook she could have been and then the honor code y'all let me be honest with you my first time in college in the u.s when we give us an exam and the teacher walked out and i was like bruh <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> where are you where are you going but there was an honor code mm-hmm. right because there's this expectation that you're not going to cheat I cannot think of that happening in like a Nigerian school. Maybe it does. I don't know. I've never seen it before. No, it does not. <laughs> I assure you, there is no school <laughs> like that in Nigeria. And it's just wild to me. This is Ife. It's wild to me because, like, this culture of cheating, it's mm. kind of, it's very insidious. It's like mm. atikekere, what lotimba wanlo. This is Yoruba. This is a Yoruba saying, like, we atikekere lotimba wanlo. Like, it's from young it's from mm-hmm. cradle almost because like there is you know you have like prize giving day for kindergartners mm. like why are you giving kindergartners prizes like what you know what was that yeah. also then like i remember writing um primary school certificate exam what's the name of that exam come on entrance yeah <laughs> <Come> on, <laughs> oh my gosh you know even the name of that exam can we talk about it like common entrance yeah i remember like common entrance in my primary school like i was you know i was i was known as one of the brainy hey. children and like uh, you know humble, brag, humble brag. <laughs> but, 
that 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 will be that. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I was known as known as one of the smart children, and my teachers were grooming me. They were like, "Remember, remember your mates when you get to the exam hall. Help them. Don't forget to help them." Oh like God. it was. I'm not even kidding. Wow. They were like, don't forget to help them. You know, don't be selfish. And me, being like, being a mumu that I am, like we went to the exam <laughs> hall and people would be asking me, people were asking me. I was literally helping. I was like holding courts and helping people in exam mm. because they had already told them that, oh, you know, if you don't know something, wow. if there's the person to, to ask for help. Wow. And they, like I was busy, you know, doing mama, was the mama darosha, it was the... <laughs> was the slang that we use um but yeah and at the end of the day like i didn't finish my exam because i was spending so much time Yay. helping people yeah and, and when a i very got- interesting thing though if i started to cut you off is this idea of you said common interest and i'm like quota system right yeah so quota system so not only do you have to be like the best in like that era you have to be the best in your state because mm-hmm. they're using states of origin to like define where there's a better level of education. So, you know, a lot of northern states had really low, you know, cutoff marks. Yeah. So someone mm-hmm. could be in the north and get maybe like two two fifty, right? The cutoff in the north is two hundred. And you make two seventy four, but the cutoff in your state was two eighty. You don't get mm. to go, but the person in the north gets to go. So there's so much pressure. Yeah. So much. Yeah. Yeah. And so like my parents were so were so upset because at the end I like came out crying. I was like, I couldn't finish, I couldn't finish. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really painful. But at the end of the day I still did well enough to, you know to get into cute past the cutoff match. I hey. get to, <laughs> I get to <laughs> I just struggle to get into QC and like it was even my set where they were like, Oh, there's a first there's a, you know, there's common entrance, then there's the interview. And mm. it was in my set where they wanted to do, it was, well, please. And the interview guys is things a written passed exam. Away. Let's even be clear. <laughs> the interview is a written exam. Yeah. But I think what, what is even more, like what's scarier for me is how this whole cheating mentality doesn't stop at school. Obviously, mm. you know, it, it follows these people. It's a culture. It's a culture. Yeah. And people then try to think of, okay, how can I cheat the system to get what I want? How do Mm -hmm. I, you know, bribe this person so that this Mm -hmm. works in my favor? How do I bribe people so I can become, you know, house of rep or, you know, governor Mm. or president? So, like, these things go far. And it's not just about cheating on the SAT exam or cheating in common entrance. It's like, we should be more worried about the long term effects as opposed to so yeah. yeah so it's it's a matter of you know nipping this like in the bud like starting from yeah. pretty much when that child comes out of your vagina you're like okay cat okay this this child of mine how am i going to groom you how is the school system trying to and it's it's it's, it's I, like i mean like what if just said now it's beyond even what parents like how parents are raising their children to be honest it's yeah like what are these schools teaching our children if teachers are telling them you know when you go to the exam hall help your friends that's crazy that's really crazy Anyway, let's yeah. not spend too much time on this. Let's move to the next one. <laughs> and I like so. And another another thing. Sorry, sorry to go no, about okay. go to say more. This is fair. Another thing is I, I wanted to touch on is how like we feel failure is a death sentence. Mm-hmm. That's another yes. thing it's, that we think preaching. that like 
like uh-huh. once you fail once <laughs> once you fail once oh like it is the end of the world mm. you can never recover and that is such a terrible thing to teach people yeah. and terrible thing to teach children like you have to fail to like move on you know like mm-hmm. people what were JB they keep saying about Thomas Edison and how many tries he mm. he had to do to get the light bulb like people fail and failing can be a stepping stone right. so when we pathologize failure and make it like oh my such god it's the worst thing like, ever mm-hmm. mm. such a taboo then of course people are going to try their best to avoid that failure yeah so like we have to let children know that okay you know this you didn't pass this this didn't work out this time how can we change you know how can we and like teach people to accept results going another thing like um in the i don't know if you're if you're going to talk about this again um, um if you're going to point this out amaya but like um for the exposure robotics like final like the mm. there was this team that like mm. didn't make it or like barely made it or there was some small yes. thing yes. that made them not make it and this girl was begging i'm like what do, you, what do you think what do you think this is, <laughs> like, is this? i don't know are you begging for extra <laughs> meat are you like oh what my is gosh. it <laughs> are you only that twist and was like yeah. you know that and i i liked i liked what the tutor said like i was sorry but you did not make the cut you were meant exactly. to do this you did not do it sorry exactly is that mentality of like teaching children that there will always be some way out you know mm. you can't you work it out you beg somebody you know if you beg enough if you cry enough yes. if you bribe enough yeah. something will work out and like yeah like we need to be maybe like we need to teach people about failure be like it's okay yeah. mm-hmm. it's okay to fail yeah. it's okay all right I mean, not in a way that will make yeah. them comfortable in that failure like oh yeah of course you know. not <laughs> But then, like, yeah, definitely, I, I, I feel you 100%. Like, but do you yeah. feel like, you go over here, do you feel like some of that stems from the fact that people feel like they don't have enough opportunities, so whatever opportunity they get now, they want mm. to, like, maximize and ensure that it doesn't just go away? Yeah, 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 for for sure. I think that's, like, also a a symptom i mean yeah th- thanks so much for bringing that up Ethan. like that's the, that was the perfect segue because that was the second thing i was going to talk about the begging scene where the girl wanted to beg her way into the next round i was like bye girl <laughs> <laughs> i'm like, like that's so well she tried to beg her way into the final <laughs> i was like just take your seat you're not the first i mean other people that got eliminated in the very first round do you see them begging Mm. I'm like, okay, so the next thing that I noticed was, okay, this is not bad. I mean, I'm a Christian, obviously, but um, <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think I think it was before the final round, and then they showed this team. They were praying before praying yes. some hardcore. I'm, I'm like, I'm gonna commit this into the hands of God. Yes, yes. <laughs> Let him fight your battle. I think at the same time I was proud, but at the same time I was like, hey, you should go and practice your coding because, <laughs> like, <laughs> guys, can I like share a secret? Yes, please. Actually, before I have any exam, like, and this is till this day. I like just say what a prayer right there with my pen and my paper before they say flip your exam paper over. I mm-hmm. say what a prayer, so I connect it. I'm not gonna lie. I oh no, I'm not. I'm not girl. saying don't pray, but I just I found it funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know maybe because it just like zeroed in, and you know you could see their serious faces like Almighty oh, God. Yeah. You know, I, maybe maybe yeah. that's what it was for me. Like 
obviously I'm not saying people should not pay before exams please don't mm. you know every commit everything into the hands of God you know he's our creator he knows everything that's going to happen in the future obviously but I don't know it was just a funny display just it was. yeah before the it final was. round push let's pray you know that kind of thing that was always funny for me but please feel free to yeah. <laughs> if you have anything to say same same and i think and another thing it just took me back to qc and how we'll have like long ass prayer meetings for exam <laughs> you know before exam period and they'll be fasting and i'm like oh ref- <laughs> reflecting on it now i'm like what were we doing it is not <clears throat> like it's some intense prayer and fasting oh guys because like I'm- hours long of prayer i'm like no. we could have been studying <laughs> in this time wow. <laughs> you know like pray yes pray but like also please do your work and yeah. you know yes. they, they go I don't think, that's the thing they do I, I mean, don't think it's i don't yeah i don't think it's about the length of the prayer that you're praying no, that's no, you know mm, that's mm. and you know what if there's nothing in your brain no matter the prayer <laughs> you're praying I don't, I don't believe anything is going to change. You know, God has needs something to work with. If you don't study, are you, are you praying away? No, that's like, just that. I don't understand. That's just not smart. Yeah. Yeah. No. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, we, 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 you know, miracles happen, but let's be realistic. <laughs> that's, mm-mm. I don't even believe that kind of miracle can happen. Honestly. Ah, if that, please don't. Listen. Maybe no. that's heretical. Maybe that. <laughs> Maybe that's heretical, but like, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I, I echo what everyone says, like definitely study for sure, but you know, top it off with prayer. I'm like I said, I yes. do it till today is 2017. I'm going to do it. If I have an exam tomorrow, I'm going to do it. If I have an exam in two years, do what you got to do. And you go, you go good. I think the difference is that we know that you at least prepared. I know you can like <laughs> With your empty head, I trust you. You are still smarter than that. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. So the next, <laughs> the next theme, I think. Okay, this wasn't really a theme, but I want to talk about Jemima. Okay, so Jemima was one of the characters who stood. Well, let me not say character. She was one of the participants who stood out in the whole program. I'm actually very interested um into why I I don't know why. Um, but she just had this. She had this. Am I say it? Say it. Say it. It's a safe space. I was going to say like, how did she just stand out out of the other people? I wanted to find out if they just focused more on her, or if you know, they suppressed other people's. Imp- I don't know. I just. I, I, it was just interesting. I feel um, like they're always. They're they always, always people that bebe lube. Like you know, not that she was bebe lube, but there are always people that are always you know like. <clears throat> always gunning for the spotlight yeah. or want to make themselves known or so she's, she's probably the person and that's no really... i mean what i honestly like what i'm about to say is not even negative it's actually something really good because i wanted to say that i really wish that more nigerian girls could be like Jonathan. yes because yeah, there were yeah. parts there were parts of like the, the, the documentary that i was just like wow like when i was like if, i feel like if i were in that position, I wouldn't have been that outspoken or that bold, and it made me feel really mm. bad for myself. Like, okay, why, um, why was I so shy back then, and why did I not feel the need to not speak out in certain situations? And 
you know, I mean, and I'm very, very sure that people would have watched this doc- documentary and have said, oh, Jemima is bossy, you know, she mm. just wants to be in control. And yeah, there were parts where she, you know, she could have said some things nicer in a nicer way. You know, there was a, there was a part when, uh, so it's a team competition, but then I think only one person could represent the team. And then I think the guy messed up and then she was like, oh, but you said you had practiced and then you now go mm, and mess we up. Have <laughs> we have them with the practice. And you just went and you messed yeah, up. <laughs> Good yeah, for her cried. though, like because like boys do that too. Like, yes. like yeah, if mm. if we're not going to police the attitudes of boys, like we shouldn't True. police her attitude either. No, no, yeah. no. I'm not. I, I'm just saying, like in general, there are some times when like she shouldn't have been shouting at her mates like that. And even if it was a guy, so I would mm. say the same thing. You know, it's not about okay. being a girl okay. or being a guy. Just because, like, for me, I don't know if maybe I'm just you know I've been in Nigeria too long and I think <laughs> something should not be said. Um, but no, like I really, really liked her boldness and I loved her energy and you could mm-hmm. see that, you know, she really enjoyed the program and she learned. And luckily for her, her team won. I was just like, okay, this was this was this planned. Like almost seems what, right? what are the yeah. odds? <laughs> what are the odds that this yeah. one girl who they focused on a lot to her team now ended up winning? But no, I mean, mm-hmm. she seemed like she knew what she was okay with it. She knew what she was doing. But what do you guys think? Yeah. Mm. What's the question exactly? Oh no! Like, what do we how, think of Jemima yeah, the Jemima character, has, or yeah. I Yuka? Oh, I think and when you watch the documentary, you'll see this. But you know, there was a part where, in one of the many interviews, many interviews that they had, she had talked about vehemently how she was going to leave <laughs> Nigeria, and for so many reasons, like I can't fault her, right? And for so many reasons, I'm like, come on, boo. Really, it's not that serious. Um, Because I can see how someone in secondary school who maybe has just seen a lot of strikes happening or who Mm -hmm. just, you know, there's this general sense of what, you know, life in Nigeria looks like Mm -hmm. um, post-secondary school. That people are just like, I'm about to get my bags and leave, forgetting that we're going to have its own struggles. Number 45. Mm-hmm. Anyways, mm-hmm. so it's, it's very easy to just like make those those assumptions at that at that age. Right. What what does she really know? But then ended up staying and making something of herself regardless. Mm-hmm. So I think it was just very interesting to see this idea that she thought she had in her head. And maybe she was bound, you know, to some American university or Canadian university. But life happened, you know, and then yeah. she went ahead with the process you know is in med school doing physiotherapy i think and is an actress you know so she is being useful in some way right and some no was that the low-key shade why do you do this though listen i'm saying in some way because not like she's directly directly affecting like nigeria's economy but she is in some way is what i mean through nollywood or you know, YouTube. Okay. If I just be going, <laughs> come on, be going. <laughs> um, I think, yeah, I really liked her character and I liked the fact that she was outspoken. I personally, like, I don't like people that dominate conversations personally, <laughs> but I like, I like the fact that she was outspoken and she, like, most of the time she knew what she was talking about mm-hmm. and she was assertive. So yeah, yeah. yeah I really like that about her. And, but what kind of rubbed me the wrong way was the, Oh, you know, I'm packing my bags immediately. Mm, I'm not even stay yeah. here. I'm not. And now that I think about it, mm. 
maybe it rubbed is rubbing me the wrong way because maybe Loki, I was that obnoxious about yeah. <laughs> about studying abroad. I, I, so, I was about to say, I feel like when we had this conversation <laughs> a few years ago, you know, just before leaving, yep. people had these brand yeah. plans, like, oh, you know, I'm going to yeah. study this and then do this and I'm never coming back. Yeah. And, you know, I just want yeah. to, you know, and that's why I forgive yeah. her because I just like it, at that stage, at that point in my life, I didn't you Loki forgive yourself. Uh, yeah, exactly. I Loki indirectly forgive myself as well because yeah. I mean, <laughs> put yourself in her shoes back then, and even seeing how things are now, you're almost mm-hmm. not encouraged to like nobody. People that are leaving don't want to come back. That's just the truth. Yeah, because things just seem to yeah. be getting worse, and there's unless you love this country, die. Like you know. You're like, you know, this is the love of my life and I want to come back and rebuild, you know. Most mm. people are going and they're yeah. looking for greener pastures and they don't really have that. Yeah. yeah. And I think just like, yeah, so that kind of rubbed me the wrong way and it made me realize that we have a romanticized notion yeah. of... Mm. Yeah, going to uh, yeah going yeah. abroad and we think yeah. that's like we don't even think about visa struggles exactly. about the fact that like where you come to the abroad say if you are not you know you're not a citizen right so, like yeah, struggle upon layers of struggle yeah. and it's just i think so, from her end it's, it's just ignorance really or naivety. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah because she just doesn't know yeah that. she does not know the struggle yeah yeah for, for for sure and i think also like the idea that you have to leave the country to make an impact mm. is, a, is a terrible, like false one. You don't yeah. have to leave the country to make an impact. I'm like, there are a lot of people mm-hmm. who went to school in Nigeria, who work in Nigeria and doing like important, impactful work. Yeah. So you don't have to, yeah, essentially you don't have to leave the country to, to, to make an impact. So, yes. and I think that's the perfect transition into the second part of this episode you know, people who are doing mm. impactful things. Oh my gosh, if you are actually awesome. This is the second time <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> so yes, impact and doing great things in this world. So last weekend, I, on behalf of the podcast, um, attended TEDx Maitama, which is an independently organized TED event um, by a group of young people. Really, I was very, very impressed. I very very 100 percent impressed because i did not see one old person <laughs> as an Wait. organizer of the events i do not see oh, like, okay i'm telling you by old person, person what do you mean oh no i mean what, what, so I, the age okay i would say off. the oldest person on the organizing committee i would say maybe 27 just based on the look of, okay. look of things i'm not even stretching because interesting most of them looked like like my age or younger so, and my age will not be discussed on this episode. <laughs> 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 um, so, so there, there were um, a couple of speakers. I want to see. I don't know how many. I think like seven, eight, nine, ten, maybe. Um, but we would just discuss the ones that I think stood out. Um, and if you guys want me to talk about somebody else, please do. Um, Okay, so the very first person who spoke was Simi Fajemiroko. Simi is a, she's the founder of R2S Africa, which is a non-profit organization committed to improving the state of public school education in Nigeria. She's also That's the founder. Noble. I know, right? It's really, it's really cool what she's doing. So she's also the founder of 
S. Fad and Partners, an advisory firm that provides innovative and creative solutions to the increasing need for research in business development. Okay, so her talk was on, like I said, for improving public education in Nigeria. And I'll just give a short background of what she talked about and what she's doing. So she believes in the fusion of culture and education. One thing she said was, our education and our culture are not mutually exclusive. And Mm -hmm. what she means here is, if you go into a typical classroom in a private institution, it's almost like walking into a classroom in the States or in Mm -hmm. the UK. And what she's saying is, why don't our classrooms represent our culture or reflect our culture? You know, like, what's wrong with infusing you know, quotes in Yoruba or Hausa or, you know, so, okay, for example, she talks about a school that she helped refurbish, or a, a school. So this was a public school in the outskirts of Abuja. And what they did was, you know, they did the interior, did, you know, just moved things around pretty much and redid things and they got an environment sustainability company that they partnered with to get like sustainable material and all that stuff and one thing that they did was they so for example they put a torch that was made of basket so like basket weaving and mm-hmm. they did that because they did some research on some of the students and like some of their parents were basket weavers so it's nice to walk mm-hmm. into a classroom and see okay wow like this is something that my mom does and it's actually being used here and you know it's not foreign like it's something that my parents made with their hands and just like things like that she talked about how okay even talking about cheating in exams she talked about how you know the how teachers even encourage students to cheat but then what if as they're walking out of that classroom or that hall they see a quote on the wall either in yoga or even in english that just reinforces like morals or values of honesty and truth and just remember i think she said something in yoga about remembering where you come from Mm, and so something like that <laughs> said that you, just imagine walking out of that classroom and seeing a quote like that right and just thinking about the future like okay remember where you come from and also think about the future so what are you what are you doing for these kids and just imagine what they're what you're doing to their households and their own children so it was just very interesting really i really really liked um what she talked about and what she's about and what she does another thing she said was Okay, dreams have no jurisdiction, and the future is not random. It must be designed. So, okay. So this is Ife, and I, I, I really the the thought about incorporating culture and education really resonates with me because, uh, to be honest, a lot of the things that we're learning is very colonized and whitewashed, and you know, like very, it's not it's not necessarily for our environment Mm -hmm. for example so this is me talking about not necessarily primary school education now but i was in unilag i studied architecture in unilag Mm -hmm. and for a year for like a hot second (laughs) i'm not an i'm not an architect or anything (laughs) i've had many lives guys i've had many career lives anyway so I studied architecture for a hot second. And like when we're studying history of architecture, we're studying like Roman architecture. I feel like I've said this before, maybe. Have I? Anyway, I'll say it again. <laughs> We've, we'll study like Roman architecture, Egyptian architecture, uh, Greek architecture. But like we don't really study like 
African architecture and the fact that mm-hmm. our ancestors they knew what they were doing when like they were building houses houses that kept us cool mm-hmm. you know in in the heat and kept out and kept us so you know warm when it was cold and like things like so like essentially like fusing our culture with our education will make it so much more impactful for us and our society and really advance us instead of just borrowing everything westernized everything looking looking <laughs> you know, just be borrowing borrowing from from places that are not that are not necessarily applicable to us so mm. we have to like and we also have to be in the business of uh knowledge production by our mm. own selves so like sure. actually like research and like you know yeah. like let's let's do that ha- hard work of of yeah of knowledge production and people like Oyeka O who are you know yeah, the academics <laughs> To God be the glory, guys. Um, I was going to say, going off of what you first, and I think it's very interesting that you say that. So my brother's an architect, and we have this conversation um, more often than I might even want to. Um, but this <laughs> this idea that, like, you know, you have Roman architecture, you have Greek architecture. We not we know what those look like. Like, if I say you can you can have a picture in your mind. Right. Mm -hmm. But if I say, what does Nigerian architecture look like? Does Nigeria actually have architecture? Right. Yeah. What is Nigeria? Like, I don't even think Nigerian architecture exists. Right. It's like Igbo architecture or like Yoruba architecture. Exactly. So one, we have to do a good job of history. Like people who are actually historians who preserve a lot of these, you know, the knowledge and, you know, the artifacts and all that stuff. And they have a good place in somewhere in Enugu actually I think it's Mbari no Imo State I'm sorry called Mbari where they have like the it's like a, a collection of old shrines mm. and you're not allowed to take photos in there we went there for acculturation in secondary school you're not allowed to take photos um but it's it's a great it's it's a great place to be honest I was praying the whole time but it was a great place <laughs> anyways <laughs> but so one we need people who are historians who are actually sitting down and saying like it's a, what, what, what's the research that's being put into this stuff so I'm definitely down with that um in addition to fusing culture and education I <sighs> Jesus take the will I think (laughs) I don't think there's anything completely wrong with saying here's this model right that someone has presented you know whether it's in the US or from the US or from the UK or Bangladesh somewhere this is the concept how then do you now take this concept and make this concept work in your environment or does it does it work in your environment like you can't just copy and paste Without there being like some, I don't, I don't even know the word I'm trying to look, I'm trying to use right now. But the basic idea is there's nothing wrong with using certain concepts, but ensure that those concepts are applicable to the area that you're using them in. So yeah. whether it's in the books, and I mean, guys, for example, Izzy goes to school. I will never forget Izzy. When I hear Izzy, mm-hmm. I will always think of Izzy goes to school or mm-hmm. Obi and Simbi. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, or Radley the that, sugar girl, yeah. See, so these are people that like I can relate to because and I can remember for years and years on end because these are people who are within our context. So, if we can find a way mm-hmm. for our textbooks, even in our math textbooks, when they're giving examples of certain things, mm-hmm. talk about Joe's dad who is a carpenter who's doing something, or Ibuka's dad who I don't know is in CBN, like give these examples. Yeah. And I haven't looked at the Nigerian textbook recently, so I don't know 
if these contents are being incorporated but i definitely agree with what y'all have said and what she said so okay so let's go to the second talk so the second <clears throat> the second talk was by aisha Algekuta, who is a photographer filmmaker and is also the senior special assistant on new media in Kebi State. So Aisha became interested in photography when her father gave her a camera at a young age. <clears throat> the rest is history. She became certified in digital filmmaking from the New York Film Academy and in curating contemporary art exhibitions from the Chelsea College of Art and Design in London. Okay, so Aisha's talk at first wasn't that interesting to me. I don't know why. Maybe because I was still <laughs> hung up on what uh, some other people had said earlier. <laughs> But then she, yeah, she you know, there was there were a lot of talks that I was just like, I don't know what's going on here. I'm just gonna do my own thing. But yeah, so no, she talked about travel and you know learning while traveling and exposure and interaction. First thing that she said that caught my traveling mind, within Nigeria or outside Nigeria, within and outside. So she's done a good job okay. of doing of doing both. <clears throat> um. So she said one of the things she said was. When it comes to learning, we all have to throw caution to the wind. And the antidote for ignorance is learning and interaction. And another thing, I think the one thing that stood out to me the most really was when she said, what did she say? That we can interact with each other better just by knowing who we are. And she gave awesome examples. She talked about how she studied the Fulani tribe and Fulani culture for a while. And she got to understand the whole nomadic nature and you know, how they live to sustain their way of life. So, obviously, these are people who move from place to place. They can't be carrying suitcases, you know, from across the country. It doesn't make sense. So, they know how to use things from their environment to make things that work for them. So, temporary structures. And she showed a picture of a tiny room that they stayed in. And so, the bed, I forgot, I forgot what the bed was made of, but the bed stand was made of, you know, Milo and you know, peak milk. Milo is like a beverage. So the, those tins, the empty tin shards, those are like the stands for the bed. Just like sustainable and reusable things. And I was just like, wow, I've never even really given much thought into this, which is terrible on my part. But it's like, and it's almost, it almost ties into what you were saying about, you know, our architecture. and Like these are people who are living a realistic lifestyle based on their yeah. way of life. Mm -hmm. And this is what works best for them. And, you know, people are saying, oh, they should, you know, be eliminated. They are not even useful. They do, I mean, they're mm. just a nuisance to society. And then she also gave mm. this example of a farmer, so a farm owner and a nomadic herdsman. And how these two people can get along so much better if they truly understood how they could work together for each other's good. So she said, mm -hmm. okay, you have a, like a herdsman with all these cattle. And she Can you give, give context, Amayo? Yes, okay. Because so there has been some, like... <clears throat> oh, I've, I've given... Okay. So the Fulani tribe is a tribe found in northern Nigeria. Not just in Nigeria. I think also in Chad. And I think they're all over West Africa. If I'm not mistaken. Okay, but they are a nomadic tribe, um, usually cattle herders. Um, so they're nomadic. And then she gave the example of how... But, like, 
the nomadic you know like they've been sorry they've been there's been conflicts between cattle mm-hmm. herders and and farmers right? yes so yeah. i was about to say so are you I, was, going... I was about to yeah so i was about to go into that oh. so what she okay. talked also the example that she gave was if these two people could just you know chill for a second and realize you know what what they do they can actually be helpful to each other so if for example the fulani herdsman at the end of harvest season for the farmer, if you could get his cattle to just graze on the farmland, clear the land, and then the farmer, on the other hand, would collect the dung from the cattle, which you could use for fertilizer, and you know, if you could even give the stalks of the plants to the far, to the herdsmen to feed the cattle later. That's like that's just a symbiotic relationship. Like these people can help each other. They don't have to fight. If only they understood the yeah, so I was saying about like because now in Nigeria, like there've been a lot of clashes between farmers and herdsmen mm-hmm. because um farmers complain that the herdsmen just come and graze their crops. Yeah. Like you know, you plant something and the and the cattle just come and graze. And there's been like there hasn't been like it really a lot of dialogue mm-hmm. for the stakeholders to like come together. So it's just been very antagonistic yeah. and it's been very. Yeah, people have died. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. been intense. So yeah, and and that's yeah. what she was, and that's what what she was trying to say. She was like, if only there was more interaction as opposed to just violence and fighting. Do people actually mm-hmm. sat down to say, okay, th- like this is what this tribe is about. This is who they are. How can they, you know, like just if people just interact with each other more and try to understand each other. Another thing said was, we all need to empathize with each other, right? Just so we can get along. So if you know what this person, who this person is, what this person is about, what they do, and you two are able to express yourself and say, okay, this is who I am, this is what we do. How can we work together? Instead of just, oh, they, they just ruin my farm, they do this. Okay, if you actually interact, then they'll know not to, and they'll actually follow the laws because, okay, there, there has been that communication. Oh, no, you're over here and I'm... I'm thinking about this, and it's such a great idea. Collaboration is always such a great idea, but collaboration doesn't exist outside. Like it's not in a vacuum; it doesn't exist in a vacuum. Mm-hmm. Um, in the sense that, like the problems that Nigeria as a country faces is mm-hmm. beyond just collaboration. Like for people to collaborate, people have to be okay with the next person. Like yeah. so, the different issues of, and this I guess could tie into the. Uh, spoken word that you shared but the idea that um for example i'm an Igbo i'm an Igbo girl um and if i came to my dad and said ah no there's this house man that i want to marry like that's the end of the world because there's so much baggage right that comes with those cultures so in order for collaboration to happen we have to get to a point where we're saying we're aware of history yeah but we also want to move forward and so moving forward will then entail that one i in myself am i get to a place where i'm personally okay in my ebonus mm-hmm. to be able to interact or choose to interact with someone who was Hausa, regardless of what the past might have looked like mm. so there's yeah. so much baggage i think before we get to that point we have to like just yeah. take off all Acknowledge. of that knowledge yeah which is another thing yeah, that yeah, one yeah. of the speakers actually spoke about but we'll get to that in a bit but yeah, no, I, I completely understand it. And I know for me, it sounded too idealistic, but it, it really mm. is that simple. If we actually just try to get to know each other better, if we go back into history and 
you know, discover the true story, what really happened, not what our parents told us, not what this person's uncle told us about what it's like what really happened in those wars, like what but what we have is... our perspectives, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um I was just gonna comment about you know, that incorporation of culture and education mm-hmm. that I just it just came back to me again. Mm-hmm. And for example, if we were incorporating, you know, using our different cultures and like using that to solve problem and, and mm. this is a, a wonderful example of that so this is how mm. we could you know go apply that knowledge and, and mm. go out and outreach to people to the Fulani people and be like okay we know this is your culture this is like your nomadic activity mm. what if you like on your on your on your journeys you like stop by this farm after mm. harvest and like essentially plan your route mm. along the harvest time of people and you know like that would be a good incorporation of like a greek you know yeah social yes. studies and a greek oh, and God. you know like wouldn't that be so clutch guys you know us uh we're not your african <laughs> cliche we do consulting for um governments <laughs> will help your education system yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. and like for, and, and like nyc you know how people just like fucking faff about for nyc these are kind of things, the, that, people things that people doing. can be yeah people yeah. can be working on during nyc like nyc can be so transformative if mm-hmm. we're not such like Hmm. Don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> <laughs> how, did, how did you know I was about to say something in Cindyary? I was about to cuss us the fuck out. <sighs> All right, so let's let's just move on to the next. <laughs> okay, okay. So who should I talk about next? Okay, so next let's talk up- about the poem. I mean, is that what we can talk about last? That? Because it was so good. Oh. oh my gosh. Okay, let me start. I, was, like, okay, I have, I have I was, I feelings was. about that poem. Okay, please. I, I, I can't wait. Okay, so the next person was Dr. Myro Mandara, who is an obstetrician gynecologist who works with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation to help improve the lives of the country's poorest people. Now, I really, really enjoyed her talk for different reasons. First of all, she talked about how health is not just the absence of disease, but the complete mm-hmm. well-being. Well, that's a WHO definition. I'm sure you guys don't find that online. I didn't write the whole thing down. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she talked about how it's not just about physical well-being. It's about mental well-being, emotional well-being, and how we are all responsible for each other's well-being. So what she said was... in. Uh, so health is about social and emotional well-being, and we are all dependent on so many other people. In order for us to be impactful, we need to change our paradigm of thinking. Everything isn't okay if only you are okay. Mm. So it's not just about health, it's also about social justice and social equity. Okay, so that was just one part of her talk. Her other talk, the other part of her talk also, talk, also touched on um, you know, how education is very important and how you see trends so because she's she's in nigeria i'm going to be very nigeria specific she said how the level of education of women determines the level of maternal health so you can see in nigeria the northern part of the country the education level standards are not that high and as a result we see a very very low level of maternal health and she talked about mm. how just by keeping women in school, 
you can save their lives and save their children's lives and just increase chances of survival in general because first of all if people if women don't go to school they are married off at a younger age they get married they start bearing children and these are people these are women or girls who don't have number one developed pelvis like pelvis mm-hmm. so they already have that issue giving childbirth and then you know these people are not exposed they're not in school so a lot of their children grow up with ignorant mothers mm. right so you can't even help your children with homework because you, you don't even go to school that kind of thing so it's a matter of when children are giving birth to children and it's a, it's mm-hmm. a serious serious problem particularly in the northern part of nigeria and that's why um, she just she really hammered on you know keep your girls in school keep your girls in school because it's not just for it's not just say that oh they went to school you're impacting the lives of generations and beyond right mm-hmm. so it was just it was just a lot it was and it, I, I i i was so sad during her talk because it was just like wow people like and she, she was giving us figures so he, one thing that she was just crazy she was like um so yesterday there was a plane crash in nigeria this is what she said there was a plane crash in nigeria and on board that flight were 110 women. Some of them were pregnant. Most of them are pregnant. Some of them have children. And this plane crash was not reported in the news. And we're all like, oh my gosh, there was a plane crash? Like, how come nobody heard about this? Like, oh my gosh, which airline? You know, people were just like asking, like, oh my God, what's going on? And then she went on to say, okay, there wasn't a plane crash, but this is the number of women who die every day from you know, maternal, mm. issues, maternal health issues. Like women are dying in labor. Women are dying after giving birth because they either they don't have the health care that they need. They're not. They shouldn't be giving birth in the first place. They are too young. Just like different reasons. And I was just like, this is crazy. This is crazy. This is crazy. Anyways, what do you guys say? Yeka over here, and it's so interesting that you say that. And I'm gonna tie this to ninja beta, ninja beta. I don't know. Um. This idea when they when Jemima was talking about you know Lagos is like the New York like it's like the Apple. Mm. Um, <laughs> I laughed so hard. Like, <laughs> like we have everything here, and it just like had me thinking of like Lagos is one of thirty six states in mm. Nigeria, and there's this huge concentration of people to Lagos. Like the rest of Nigeria isn't worth something yeah so lagos abuja you know port giving you know the oil industry or lack thereof anyways but there there are many different states in the country but people choose to overpopulate certain areas that seem to be more 21st century than others like what what would happen if we were more spread out what would happen if we decided to be involved in what's going on in all the other states that existed Mm -hmm. in Nigeria. Like the amount of growth and development nationally would be ridiculous. Like why, why are we so comfortable? I think that's the question. Why are we so comfortable? Yeah. I think that's a very important topic. And I think it's a definitely a topic for another day because Mm -hmm. a lot of people who have been a lot of activists on Twitter, this is Ife, by the way, talking about restructuring and Mm -hmm. how the fact that, power and resources are so concentrated in Lagos, Abuja and Port Harcourt that Mm. that makes no sense and it just allows like some shady people to keep you know 
taking resources that are supposed to be for a certain state and it never actually gets to the people. So mm. yeah, I think it's I think it's an important discussion to be had about you know, individual states and how we can make each individual states like produce something like specialize yeah. in something you know like remember all these poems that we used to say oh like you know pyramids of groundnuts in the north yeah. like you know like there's so many different things that like so many different resources that each state has but like oil money has just blinded everybody True. and you know and it's funny because then now what we're now trying to go back to agriculture and it's almost like agriculture is laughing mm-hmm. at us like look at these people that do that yeah abandoned exactly. us now they want to go back so it's giving yeah. people a hard time it's not even a joke it's not yeah. easy it's not like it's not yeah. by next year that you start producing cocoa and exactly power. these things take time so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, like, just has one of the most fertile land. Yeah. Like, just is prime, 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 you know, agriculture. Like, like strawberries growing just. Mm-hmm. That's crazy, that. yeah. Yeah. Wild. So, yeah. So, let's move on because we're running short of time. Uh, so, the next speaker was Dr. Biagili Ezekwesili, who is my little <laughs> wow. may be singing. <laughs> yes. She, she, she is just, she is gold. Let me just say, that, that should be her bio. I am Dr. Biagili Ezekwesili and I am gold because she is. <laughs> okay. So, she is a former Nigerian Minister of Education. She also served as the vice president for the World Bank's program in Africa. She was recently the senior economic advisor to Open Society, aimed at building vibrant and tolerant societies with democratically accountable governments. She currently runs the Africa Economic Development Policy Initiative, which provides policy expertise and advisory support to African heads of government and their cabinets. Okay, so the topic... Her talk was about, the topic for her talk was the unsustainability of failure. And it just, I don't know why it blew my mind because I, I don't know why, but she somehow used the laws of, de- of demand and supply to flesh out this beautiful talk. So basically she was saying how the Nigerian society has accepted failure as a norm. And because, so what she, she said, because there is no demand for good governance, there is terrible supply of good governance or something like that and now there is a what did she say there's now an incentive for failure and failure has become like a monopoly in society so oh no no not failure the government has become bad government government has become a monopoly just doing whatever they want and getting away with it Mm. and and you know making the mass masses suffer pretty much Mm -hmm. Um, and she talked about apathetic citizenship, how that is also not sustainable. Uh, we all need to know that we can do something and we should do something. And how her favorite word is disruption. We all need to scatter, like just F shit up pretty much because the way things are right now, <laughs> the way things are right now should not be accepted as normal. All right. So we should challenge governments challenge how society is and begin nation building so there was just so much more to it i couldn't even take notes at the point i just gave up because i was like you know let me just listen when the video comes out i can you know start you know an- analyzing and taking notes and going back to my economics class because i was just like you know what this is let me just listen but yeah what do you guys think about our current governance and our politics and just how laid back 
we as a people have become. I mean, mm. Buhari came back two days ago and people are rejoicing. Hey, you know, welcome me. Into- I don't even plan just finish all of you because somebody <laughs> that is like they they made tomorrow a public holiday because he's back. Wait, is it really? I look you want that public holiday shot because tomorrow is not looking bright for me at all. That's that's hilarious. So I was looking at like some population stats, and Nigeria. So sixty-two or sixty-three percent of Nigeria is made up of people aged zero to twenty-four. Okay. Oh yeah, sixty-two percent. Sixty like sixty-two or sixty-three percent. Ninety-two percent of Nigerians are aged zero to fifty-four, but wow. the people ruling Nigeria though. Are in the bottom, <laughs> the eight percent. Why does that make sense? <laughs> I just, I just want to know. Like, it doesn't make sense. Like, we, the young people in Nigeria, are the most populous age. I think. No, no, no. The younger ones are. But regardless, comparing our group of people to the old, their people, it just doesn't make any sense that we don't. Like that we're not harnessing the power that we have in our numbers. Mm. Just politically doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. Yeah. I think that's why there are initiatives, these um, you know, for our politics not politics, our um elections episode. Um mm. Aisha talked about not too young to run and mm. all the their initiatives are are getting trying to get younger people to run for government. <clears throat> this is Ife. So I think Speaking about, it's funny how we, it feels full circle. You know, we talked about cheating and failure, and mm. now we're talking about um, Doctor Obi, um, yeah, Obi Ezekiel's talk about like the unsustainability of failure. I'd, I'd like kind of amend, you know, no, no um, disrespect, ma'am. <laughs> um, I'd ah. like to humbly, <laughs> humbly amend, <laughs> humbly amend that to say like mediocrity is more the word than yeah. failure mm-hmm. like because like we you know as we we're talking about how we would do all of all kinds of for the superficial success or like the superficial indicators of brilliance it's like you know define shit oh wuru wuru mago mago cutting corners is essentially <laughs> is essentially what it sounds like you know when you do unscrupulous <laughs> things to to get ahead cut corners exactly yeah but yeah so like because we are cutting corners it makes like mediocrity in abundant supply everybody's fucking mediocre because if the if if the bar is so low or if our our method of determining success is so skewed and so nonsensical of course it becomes rubbish Mm. so yeah so yeah i'd I'd say that and like again it goes back to ethics and core character and like you know if we expect more from ourselves and if we have the right metrics of success and say okay what exactly does success mean is success Mm. you are the best karma is success are you solving the most problems is success are you helping the most people you know like redefining what success is and you know I think that's like one of the steps to getting rid of mediocrity. Yeah. And, yeah. And I mean, going back to the stats that Yekao gave, it's like if we're leveraging on these numbers, just imagine, right? I mean, I know the percentage of these people can't even vote, 
but the people who mm. do have a voice, who are on social media, who can vote, who mm. can influence others, if we are yeah. all demanding this good governance, and not just demanding it on Twitter and, you know, in real life, just be like, mm, I'm not even going to vote. Oh, I'm just going to, you know, watch mm-hmm. how this is going to play out. Oh, you know, I'll crack jokes afterwards and say, oh, we all need something to happen. You know, that kind of thing. Not that kind of demanding. It's like demanding and actually putting action to it. And, you know, yes. It's it's yeah. not just it's not enough to just start a campaign on social media and you know say say Come say, on. but in reality, not even do do do. It's like yeah, we like I think yeah. we really we need like a revolution. I want somebody yeah. who is thirty years old to just run for president now that it's actually is it thirty or thirty five, who actually has sense, went to a good school and knows what is right and what is wrong and actually does what is right. Yeah, I and, like and another thing. I don't think like a president can save us honestly. True. So, yeah. Come on. Yes. Yes. If, yeah. <laughs> A president, like, like it, it has, <laughs> and it's like it, again, it goes back to culture shift and ethics. Like, I think mm-hmm. we have to start from okay, from ourselves. Like, yes. what are our own standards of success? Like, yeah. what are we going to expect from ourselves? Mm-hmm. What are we going to expect from our family members, our friends, our children? Like, kind of that's you know, like we have to do both macro mm-hmm. and micro at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Like, start from from the smallest out, start from the outward, you know, in and like mm-hmm. kind of it has to be simultaneous in, in that in that um plan of attack amen <laughs> no and it's it's so funny you say that pretty much what um dr Ezekiel said was the the what's it called the most powerful citizenship okay i don't know what she said the p- most powerful um office is that Ex- of the citizen. exactly not that of the citizen mm-hmm. not of the president not of the governor like what are we yeah. doing like do you know how much power we have? Mm. Which is so funny that you say that. So, guys, can you think of just imagine a situation where somebody is owing a Nigerian money? Hmm. Like, what does that look like? The person trying to get their money back. Like, are they chill? <laughs> like, are you actually chill? So, in that situation, if you're paying your taxes, like the government is owing you, and they're not giving your money back, like, why are we so chill? I, but I let's start from how people these people are not even paying their taxes but that's the point but. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's why I said that's why I said if you're paying your taxes because we know you guys out there <laughs> ah, man. but the average the average person is the, the market woman she's paying for her stall they have yeah, true you know, alright they tax them they're paying their different taxes in different ways really Alright, so I guess the final speaker that we will talk about is DK Triple Mary J, who is a spoken word artist, a writer, an author, and a performance poet. He won the Abuja Literary Society Poetry Slam in 2011 and the African Poets National Poetry Slam in 2012. So let me just preface this by saying <laughs> I had no idea who this guy was before I you know, heard about this TEDx my time I event. I I don't know what happened, but I saw his profile, I looked him up, I was like, wait, this is a really cool guy. You know, he's doing great things, has different events, pop up events and whatnot. And then he got on stage and mm. his presence, like just the way he it's it was, it was like he got on the stage and there was just silence. He just commanded the I don't know what he did, just I, I think people like the the MC wanted to introduce me. I said, no, 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 I'll introduce myself. I just said, Jesus. <laughs> like, this guy has come. I said, don't worry, I'll introduce myself. With that, introduce Elba, 
serious voice. I was like, okay, yes, 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 sir. Okay, okay, I'm, I'm going to someone tripping. I really hope he's not going to listen to this because I did give him our business card and I told him to listen. Oh, well, anyways, so he was talking about there were a lot of things, but he talks about Nigeria as a country, Nigeria as a geographical reference, and Nigeria as like its people, its history, its culture. So he did say that Nigeria is not merely a geographical reference, it's more than that. And he talks about how Nigerians have become more cosmopolitan than ever, and they were becoming more like the West in different aspects. So his question was, if we have become so similar to the West, why is our politics still lost in the past? So one thing that he stressed on was looking for the real stories of our history mm. and of our culture. This is what I, what I said earlier. It's like, why, why is there that hostility between, between different tribes in this country? And what is the source of that hostility? So who told, who is telling these stories and, you know, what's the word I'm looking for? Who's telling these stories and who is making them prevalent in society? Like, I, I, I don't know. I don't know how serious I want to say. Um, so, okay. So he, he talked about facilitating integration in society. You know, how can we come together as one how can we work together for a better country? How can we unite based on our differences and similarities? And like one thing he talked about was we should not, um, so we should invest in the politics of integration. We shouldn't politicize our ethnic and religious differences while not pushing what we have in common. And what do we have in common? We have corruption in common. As a country, we have poverty in, co- in common. We have bad roads. We have terrible citizenship. So we should shift from a politics of identity to a politics of issues. So we have all these issues instead of trying to figure out, oh, you're evil, oh, you're how far, oh, we can't work together. It's like how can we come together as one and solve our real problems? Our problems are not uh, our individual tribal struggles. It's like we don't have library. Like how do we get? And then after we now solve those problems of light and water, is now we're now moving to bigger problems like education. Like you know what I mean. Like we have big problems, so we shouldn't be focusing on tribalism and our differences, our ethnic differences. Anyways, so yeah, we should search for the true stories of our history and make a push towards integration. And then he formed his poem called "The War on the Bridge," which we will link. At the bottom of this episode, it's pretty awesome. But if I had thoughts, <laughs> she was just counting down like, when is it gonna be my turn? When is it gonna be my turn? We heard you, girl. Let's just cut, cut straight to the point. I do, here. I do have thoughts. I do have thoughts, and I think I think we've we've said that this multiple times. But history and about like Nigeria's history. So number one, Nigeria was a is a is a white man's concept actually. Mm-hmm. You know, the amalgamation of the North and South, and it was like, oh, yeah, oh, it's going to be easier to govern these people if we just smoosh them into one identity or into one entity. Mm-hmm. So I think, like, solving Nigeria's, like, tribalistic ethnic problems starts from understanding how we became one yeah. and kind of, like, 
you know why are we nigeria like how how are we different from each other how are we alike all of those things and i think it's yes we, we might be becoming more cosmopolitan and yes we might be you know like lagos and whatever but like that doesn't i don't think being cosmopolitan is the solution to our issues mm-hmm. because america the west still has you know quote-unquote tribalistic look at fucking charlottesville you know like <laughs> there's still there's still differences based on you know skin color and ethnicity mm-hmm. and so I, again i don't think cosmopolitan or like idealizing western poly quote-unquote politics is the way forward mm-hmm. i think we need to go back and be like okay what is nigeria why is nigeria why is Nigeria a thing? And do we actually like kind of a re-education or acculturation of each mm-hmm. other's cultures mm-hmm. will be is my own prescribed solution to dealing mm-hmm. with tribalism and 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 ethnocentric identities. Mm-hmm. That's that's my own prescribed solution. And number two, he talked about I'm sorry, you know, <laughs> no shade. <laughs> no shade, no disrespect but i felt like it was very like surface you know you know if we are like the the thing about like marrying people like it's very surface like that there, there are reasons again like we haven't even acknowledged the biafra war is that in mm-hmm. our social studies like are, are we even talking it's not something we talk about when when things are not brought out into the open of course there'll be mm-hmm. crevices where they like mutate into monsters yeah. mm-hmm. and like you know kind of like chinese whispers where mm-hmm. it just becomes a different story entirely so yep his solution for i don't what was his did he prescribe a solution yeah what was so, his i mean solution? i think the so the so i think what he was trying to say was he wasn't trying to disregard it i mean in his talk he actually went deeper into you know the civil wars and you know how these things have been told in different ways and you know the people that even fought in these civil wars, they they have no, there's no recognition. There's like, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't giving any recognition, I guess. But I mean, I'm going off point. But he was pretty much saying that we should go back and you know get the true stories of what happened. I mean, yes, okay. he's, yeah, he wasn't trying to disregard history at okay. all. He's not, okay, he's not but saying, like, because I'm. Yeah, because I'm I'm speaking from the perspective of just that poem. That poem oh, yeah. to me was I don't oh, know no, whatever. No, 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 no. no, I mean, um, it, it, I, I and I can see where you're coming from because just based on that poem, it's a big brush. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, like I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that that um, that that white baby girl's face in the past <laughs> where she's like squeezing. <laughs> <up. laughs> well, that was my face. I'm like, what? Mm? No, and no. another thing, like he said about in the poem, I was was equating racism and tribalism, and I'm like, mm, not quite. Like, I there's this like thing we have of trying to like frame our issues in Western eyes, and like you know frame our stories like with Western tilts. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like just like frame them in a way that relates back to the West, and I don't think that's necessarily helpful. Like. Racism is prejudice and power. Racism is systemic. It's like institutions based on oppressing groups of people based on their race. And like tribalism is not the same thing. You know, there's no there's no institution. Like maybe it'll vary from region to region, but like there's no overt institution that is like 
keeping a certain Nigerian ethnic group down. Do you understand? Or maybe they but I mean, yeah. Just, I mean, if you if yeah, you go like, back, if you go back in, if you go back, yeah, if you go back, I mean, even with well, not only as visible, but I mean, what during in during colonization, when the British mm. people came and you know they went back and forth from giving the North power to giving the you know, so there was a point where you could you could almost you could almost say that they were trying to set the North against the South. Mm. So they were, well, I, yeah. So maybe I don't have a a a big you know a, a strong mm-hmm. enough grasp on mm-hmm. um like ethnic dynamics in Nigeria, and mm-hmm. I'll I'll cop to mm-hmm. that. But like I just don't. What it makes me it, it makes me uncomfortable when we try to frame issues in western eyes i'd be like oh like racism is the same thing as tribalism and like personally i don't uh, yeah i think we can like you know tribalism doesn't have to be qualified as racism for it to be terrible it is terrible <laughs> full mm. stop yeah you know uh yeah Yeka, oh, over here a couple of things the first one is and i just need to give this disclaimer i'm not trying to incite anything um <laughs> But I think this idea of integration is a very funny phenomenon because mm-hmm. before you can talk about integration of Nigeria as the way forward, mm-hmm. you need to ask Nigerians if they're interested in being integrated. <laughs> no. You're right. No. <laughs> You're I mean, actually this right. Is, this is like this is facts, right? So if someone is saying, if you're trying to say. No, we're going to move forward. And the way we're going to move forward is we're going to be united and we're going to love each other. And people are like, but we ain't trying to, we ain't trying to be with you. It's almost like a breakup where, <laughs> or a relationship where one person is trying to break up and the other person is like, no, we're going to stay in this relationship. Like nothing's going to move up. That's not a healthy situation. So I think actually the first step might be conversations of this is how I feel. This is where I'm at. Do we want to stay? Or do we want to leave? And I think that those conversations, like people don't need to knock people down for wanting to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. I think let like let them express themselves. And if they choose to separate, then let that happen in a peaceful way. Let mm-hmm. it happen. It's cool. And then you can say, okay, for those of us who have decided that we're going to stay, this is what integration is going to look like. But forcing this phenomenon of what well, we're Nigeria, so this is how we are now. We're going to just stay like that. Like, why did North Sudan and South Sudan break up? Like, things started off in this. We don't want way. that, so because they did right. not, their breakup was not a. It, you wasn't, know, it peaceful. wasn't amicable. Right. It wasn't exactly. a conscious uncoupling. It was yeah. a. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess for me, the idea that let's not knock knock the conversation off the table because people are trying to have these conversations. Like, have them and see where they go. Um, and then yeah. if we decide that we want to be integrated, then how do we unlearn certain behaviors and certain ideas? And I think when I was listening to the um, spoken word, you know, when he was comparing racism and tribalism, I think for me, what I got from that is if you have an uproar about something that's happening in the West, but when you come home, Mm-hmm. And you don't have that same level of uproar. Like there's a problem mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. both of those okay. things are bad. You know, they okay. might not be necessarily equitable, but they're both bad concepts. So you yeah. can choose to, it's almost like, and they do this all the time. Like you're in America, you line up when you're about to board your flight in Nigeria. Like you're trying to cut corners and you're not trying to be on the queue. Like it doesn't make any sense. 
so to do mean. something in one place and then change context and do something completely different. So we need to unlearn a lot of behaviors and say, this is what is right and this is what is wrong. And regardless of where I am, this is the basis upon which I stand. Like, this is what I'm guided by. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. we have a long way to go, but... Yeah, we really sure. do. We really, really do. And I think it, like, also goes back to, again, the spreading out of, of resources and, like, making, mm. decentralizing Nigeria from, like, Lagos, Abuja, Port Harcourt, and, like, yeah. you know, if... Because people, you know, there's a lot of... Te- I don't know if it's a... If it's still a thing, but, like, there are a lot of tension about like people in Lagos and they're really like, oh, like Lagos is Yoruba. So people say Lagos is no man's land. And Yoruba <laughs> people hate hearing that. Yeah, that that's though. rude, man. Yoruba <laughs> people are so annoyed. Like my mother will be, like my mother is very peaceful and she'll be like, what? What do you mean by Lagos is no man's land? <laughs> my mother, my yeah. mother gets very incensed and it's like, because we've kind of made Lagos be like the only place where you can come for, you know, economic opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And it shouldn't yeah. be that way. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So I think, yeah. And that's part of the fight now, right? Is the idea that there's so many people, I think that what the stats look like is you have a lot of people in the North, but the North, because we, they have like national, like I think it's called allocations, right? So when they allocate the budget, they give, based on your size, they give you money from like this collective pocket, right? So everybody brings in something, but say the North isn't bringing in as much as it's getting out. Mm. So people are like mad. So how then do we take what the North has, multiply that, take what the South has, multiply that, take what the East and the West have, multiply that, and then be able to distribute. So people don't feel like they are getting the short end of the stick mm-hmm. yeah if that makes yeah. sense once yeah, again sure. guys call yeah. us we we do <laughs> consultation services um, <laughs> we'll join your team situation assessments you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's, it's certainly something something to think to think about like the the thing about integration and and yeah Oh, I guess that that really is the end of maybe. Yeah. Thank you, ladies. You Take it awesome. away. What 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 else is left? There's nothing left. Oh, that's the end of the show. It's <laughs> <laughs> few points of mind. I hope we've been able to convince you and not, confuse, and not confuse you. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Yika O and Ife, for your inputs and con- contributions. I had fun recording this. And I mean, yeah, it's not just about having fun. It's what are the takeaways? We can talk and talk, but what are we really doing to play our part in society and to help our societies grow? Um, so we will link you guys with um, a link to watch Niger Better, the documentary. I think you might have to pay, but um, and then also if they are available by the time we release this episode, the links to the TED Talks. Um, and I guess whatever else we talked about, we'll try and link you up. But yeah, thank you guys for listening. Thank you again, Ife and Anika. This was fun. Um, Ife Ima couldn't join us this time, um, but she will join us in the next episode, obviously, um, hopefully. Um, but yeah, this is Amayo signing out. Thanks for listening and have a great week. Bye. Peace out, love.